Welcome to Outspoken Voices, a podcast by and for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer parents, people with LGBTQ parents, future parents, and everyone else who is part of our family journeys. I'm your host, Emily McGranahan, and I am the Director of Family Engagement with Family Equality Council. As part of its commitment to family inclusivity, Johnson's is proud to stand by Family Equality Council's National Adoption Month campaign in support of happy, healthy babies and all the families that love them. Welcome! So November is National Adoption Awareness Month, so this month we are highlighting adoption stories of LGBTQ families. With me today is Jason Cianciotto, Corder Simmons, and his son, Derek William Simmons. So thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. Thank you. So would you all just mind introducing yourselves just a little bit about who we're talking to today? Okay. My name is Corder Simmons, and uh, I'm an actor who lives in NYC with my husband, Jason, and my son, Derek, who are with me here. And next year's Derek. Um, I'm Derek, and my middle name is William, and my last name is Simmons. And I don't really have a job. I just go to school. <laughs> this is Jason Sanciato. Um I am a, a husband and a new father with an amazing family that I love. And I'm so grateful that um, Family Equality Council has given us an opportunity to be a part of um, highlighting um, the joys of forming a family through adoption. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much. Uh, maybe Jason and Quarter, would you would you start and introduce us to um, who is in your family and how was your family formed? Okay, great. Um, well, our family is uh, three people. Um, it's myself and two cats and, and two cats. That's right, sweetheart. Myself and my husband and our son and our two cats. Um, Jason and I met in uh, two thousand and three, uh, and we got married in, in two thousand six. That's right. Although it wasn't legal then, um, when it became legal, uh, we got married in Canada first, and then um, got and then got married again in the United States. So we're married all over the place. <laughs> And um, then um, we uh, began our family a little later, and um, we met Derek last year in 2017. Yeah, you you found my picture on the adoption website in May. That's right, in May of and 2017. And that's when you came to see me in on July on the 26th. Uh-huh, that's right. Which was four days after my birthday. No, yes. no. Yeah, oh, yeah, four days after my birthday. Okay, that's right. And uh, and uh, Derek's uh, adoption went through officially um, in May of this year. And uh, so now he is a, a permanent member of our family. Yeah, and they gave me a special necklace that I always wear forever on my adoption. And I never take it off. I even sleep with it. That's beautiful. <laughs> uh, maybe each of you can answer this. What is one of your favorite things to do as a family? We like to we've we like to snuggle on the couch and watch TV, like our favorite shows like American Warrior and Rebels Drag Race. Mm-hmm. We love going to um, see Broadway shows. That's uh-huh. right. And we like to go to amusement parks a lot. Like we went to Six Flags for my twelfth birthday, nice. which was last month. That's right. You sure uh, did. That's that's awesome. Uh, I love to do all of those things too. What was the, what you mentioned? Like you know the exact date that you met the people who would become your dad's 
Um, so you have some like big dates then that really matter to you. Uh, what do you remember what meeting them was like? Well, I first met them and I was kind of shy. And Jason asks me, would you like a hug? I'm like, sure. And so I hug him. And, and yeah, there's lots of things that we got to know mm-hmm. each other. And so now I end up here with them. And when I first came home and I, I sit on the couch and I say, I'm home. I'm finally home. And that's a great example of um, just how incredibly big Derek's heart is. And it's one of the things that I feel um, so inspired by because uh, amidst all that he's been through four years in the foster system, um, he's a brain cancer survivor. Amidst all of that, he never lost what I hope is clear to everybody listening, his giant heart and his joy and uh, his love for theater and music and and dance um, and the pride he has about uh, who he is. Um, that's a pretty amazing thing given what he's been through. Absolutely. So Jason and Quarter, when was there a moment or what was there a process and when you decided or when you knew that you wanted to be a parent? Um, what was that journey like for you? Um, I remember vividly the first conversation we had about it. Um, uh, Quarter was away in a show and uh, we were having a conversation and I was, I was in a playground and I was standing on top of some like giant ladybug playground equipment in the summer talking with him. And um, I knew that he was the one. I was also kind of afraid of it because I had just gotten out of a seven year relationship and I, I hadn't thought that I would, um, you know, both fall in love and, and find someone I wanted to spend the rest of my life with so quickly. Um, and so we were having conversations about, you know, what, what are the things that we want to achieve in life um, so we could learn more about each other. And, um, you know, I shared things like that. I, I wanted to eventually become the executive director of the LGBT community center that helped me come out when I was a teenager. And, you know, he shared that he wanted to be on Broadway and be in a national tour and be in a, 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 a recording of a, of a new Broadway show. Um, and I also shared that I wanted to be a father someday. And, you know, as I remember it, we said, well, these are all amazing things we want to accomplish. Let's focus on those things first. And, and, and then after we've accomplished them, um, move forward with becoming parents. And in uh, 2012, uh, we reached the point where we achieved all of those things. And that's when we began to um, what became a long process of trying to figure out um, how we wanted to become parents. And I think what was even more um, challenging, at least for me, was um, wrestling with um, the self-doubt um, that I carried with me so that I could feel ready to be a father. Yeah, I. Um, it, took, it took longer for me to get to a place of... Uh, wanting to be a dad um, because like Jason talked about, we had, uh, we both had career goals. And especially when you're an actor, you know, it's a, the, an actor's life is uh, unstable at best. So, uh, you know, so it took me a while to, uh, to, to get to a point where I was ready to, um, to take on the responsibility of being a dad. But once I did, um, once I got to that point, um, then it was um, about Jason and I, you know, making our lives ready for all the things that um, the system requires of um, foster to adoptive parents having the right kind of home and uh, documentation of our jobs and our finances and, you know, the trainings and background checks and all those kinds of things. So that was a whole other 
set of things that we needed to do. Did you always know that you wanted to be engaging with the you know foster care system or did you think about other paths to parenthood um, or is there something about the uh, public adoption system that really kind of called to you? Um, yeah, th- that's a great question because there was a, a pretty long process we went through. Um, you know, I initially felt um, a strong drive to have a, a child through uh, surrogacy. You know, I, I have a, a fabulously queer family. Um, all three of my father's children um, are LGBT. I'm gay. My brother is gay. And I also have a transgender brother. Um, and amidst all of that, I, I, I had this thought in my mind that now seems so ridiculous that um, somehow I was responsible for sort of carrying forward the, the family name. And, you know, I, I wasn't sure that um, my brothers were going to ever have children. And if none of us have children, then, um, you know, the Cienciato family line essentially comes to an end. You know, looking back on that, it, you know, it's just funny to think about the, the pressure that we put on ourselves um, and the, the misconceptions we have about all the various ways to become a parent. And I'm so grateful that uh, we chose the fostering route. Uh, but to get there, we looked into um, surrogacy and, you know, it was so expensive. And there are only two states in the country where um, uh, both parent both parents can be on the birth certificate. Um and we, we looked into direct adoption, which is really expensive. We looked into international adoption and just found that there were very few countries who would allow um, same-sex couples to adopt. Uh, and then it was also very cost prohibitive. Uh, the other thing, too, is that, you know, uh, being an adoptive parent is, uh, you know, you're doing something for a kid who really needs a home. Um, my mom is adopted. Um, she was adopted as an infant. Um, but it was always something that was kind of in the back of my mind that there are children all over the world, especially all over our country, who need homes. I, I think I've heard the figure of 140,000 kids in the foster system in the United States right yeah. now. Um, what? I know, I right? There's that many. I know. Okay. Um, so, you know, um, hearing the figures like that and realizing that there are all these kids out there who really need homes kind of makes you think, well, gosh, why spend a fortune trying to, you know, make a biological child, you know, and, you know, or in going to the, the extreme of flying all over the world to make that happen when there are children here who need homes, especially, you know, some older children and especially children who uh, have are like me. Some of, yeah, like, like Derek, who have some of the issues, the, the medical issues that Derek had before we met him and all of that. So I am a brain cancer survivor. That's right, you are. So it kind of it kind of occurred to us that the best use of our family um, was to um, be a, a help to a child who really needed us. It's a funny story how um, they adopted me, so how they found me. So it all started when they saw my profile picture, and that's when um, I wanted a straight couple, and so my dad's one day called like, "Hey, we'd like this boy." And my um, adoption worker said, "Sorry, but said sorry, but he wants a straight couple." So they were very sad, and they felt like giving up on having a kid. That's when one day she comes over and visits, and I'm like, "Because it's stuff I like and what I like to do, it might be hard to find a straight couple." So I think I might want a gay couple. So, well, the same sex couple. So my. So um, my adoption worker calls my dad and says, you're in luck because he wants a couple like you. So they're like, yay. And they were all happy. And then that's when it turns into this. <laughs> that's a very good way to put it, buddy. You know, when, 
when Derek was sharing that story, he um, he said something like, "We felt like giving up." Um, actually, um, it was really quite the opposite. When we met Derek online on the on the Heart Gallery, um, we uh, you know I, I remember I sent a, a text to Quarter, who I, I think was out of town working again, and said, "I think this this may be our son." And we also knew from the information included in his profile, like that he that he loved Monster High dolls. They love to and I love to eat mac and cheese and pizza and corn dogs. <laughs> um, but we we had a, a, a it was communicated in a really interesting but clear way that um, you know uh, he may grow up to be LGBT or that you know he may experience discrimination you know by um, because of the things that he he likes to do, which unfortunately society considers you know sort of gender atypical um, and. Uh, so when we were initially told no, that, you know, Derek wants to be um, uh, a family to adopt him that, that as a, a different sex couple, um, we actually didn't give up. Um, at least twice a week for two weeks, I checked back in with our adoption caseworker and said, are you sure? You know, uh, has anybody asked him? Do you know why? Can, can we at least try to talk with him on the phone and let him see that, you know, we'd be a great home for him? And, you know, we're so grateful that she... Uh, went to visit Derek and just asked him. And um, what she told us was that he said um, that he'd actually prefer to be uh, with a, a two-dad home because um, he thought that a um, uh, mom and a dad would not allow him to play with his dolls. And we, you know, it, it, it came to we came to know that a lot of things about the system, you know, because there are so many hands um, and so many people trying to make sure that these kids are, are getting what they need and that they're okay. Um, lots of times there are things in a child's file, things, you know, like, like the thing that, that they said, oh, he only wants to be with a, you know, a straight couple. There are lots of times where those things um, are miscommunicated or have evolved over time. You know, the kids are constantly growing and changing and they're, um, there are things about them that, that change and are different than what is just written in their file. So, um, you know, for any parents, prospective parents out there who might be listening, um, you know, it's, it's important that you follow up and really talk to the kid before you, you know, just look at their file or, or see, see what's listed there. People should let the child choose the parents that the parent choose the child. And I would choose you. Oh, thank you, sweetheart. Well, I think we all chose each other, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. I chose you and you chose me. That's right. So for uh, Jason and Quarter, when you were deciding, you know, which agency to be working with, how did you go about that? Did you feel welcomed and, you know, treated equally uh, as someone who was openly LGBTQ throughout the process? Sure. Um, well, um, our uh, because we live in New York City, um, our the agency that we chose to work with uh, was kind of dictated to us by uh, by the city. Um, you know, um, the New York City Department of Children's Services um, kind of uh, contracts out to each locality, and because we live in Queens, we were kind of assigned to one that was where we live to get our foster license and things like that. Once we had that. We could continue working with them or we could do what Jason ultimately did, which was kind of strike out on our own and look for kids who were looking for homes. And so that was when we talk about a website that we saw Derek on, it was on a website called the Heart Gallery, which is, um, you know, uh, kind of 
this is a strange way of putting it, but it's like Tinder when you're looking for a kids up for adoption. You know, there are profiles and videos and pictures and things like that. And so um, the way Jason tells it, you know, he, he started at A and uh, started looking through states. And then we found Derek in Colorado at letter C. You know, we were in, but then you asked, you know, if we ever felt, uh, you know, discriminated against or anything like that. Um, we never felt that way when working with um, the people that we worked with um, in Colorado and in New York. Um, we are, we're very lucky to have had a good experience like that. Um, everyone on Derek's team, um, I think, was aware of the fact that he might turn out someday to be LGBT. That's um, what they thought? Maybe. So, wow. Um, so uh, they were um, really very open to us becoming a part of Derek's life because they thought we had a special, unique perspective to offer him, um, especially because Derek um, loves theater and maybe wants to be a performer or a director someday. Movie director, father. There you go. So um, so he, they thought that, you know, because I'm a performer, that would be a really good fit for Derek. Also because, you know, Jason has a background in activism and Derek is outspoken about who he is and, and the things that he wants in his life. They thought that would be a really good fit for him too. So they realized that... Um, a good LGBT family might be a really good a fit for Derek. So they were all on board from the very beginning, even from, uh, you know, a, a pretty conservative place like Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, they all realized that this was the be best fit for Derek. So it was never about our sexuality. It was about what was right for him, which we really appreciate. But within, within that experience though, we're, we're watching in horror at what's happening in States across the country where Laws are being passed that would allow uh, uh, foster and adoption agencies who receive public funding to discriminate against a wide variety of people, including those who are LGBT. In New York State and New York City, um, uh, it, it, they are, there are nonprofit organizations that primarily provide this service to prospective parents and kids. The, the organization that we originally worked with started off, uh, has its roots in being, you know, a Catholic social welfare organization, but they are absolutely forbidden from uh, discriminating based on, you know, sexual orientation or, or gender identity. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't imagine um, what what it would have felt like to, you know, even have to have found Derek or to not have been able to to become his dad's because we weren't able to be approved by by an organization that discriminated against us. And, and even more so, what what happens to kids, including kids like Derek? I, I think I read um, on the Family Equality Council website that upwards of 12% of children waiting to be adopted identify as LGBT. Um, that is so disproportionately large compared to, you know, the, the 5 to 7% they may represent in the general population. What is going to happen to these kids? Um, it, it's 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 um, becoming apparent has really refocused my um, desires and activism to advocate uh, for these kids and, and to protect them because our our you know the scales were lifted from our eyes when we met Derek and we we realized that this whole world exists where these kids who deserve love and a family. Oh, excuse me, it's emotional for me. Um, are, it's okay, Daddy. I love you. I love you too, buddy. Um, uh, how is it that we exist in a world where 144,000 kids don't have a family? Yeah, and I think you you really said it so well when saying that you were 
identified as being a, almost a uniquely qualified or you know certainly bringing something really special to to a parenting role especially for for Derek um, and so it's just yeah it is really upsetting to see those license to discriminate bills that are allowing agencies to not go for what is in the best interest of the child, but rather by their own sort of moral litmus test that they've decided upon. Yeah, it is. It's it's something that certainly Family Equality Council is really committed to working and fighting back um, state to state. We really appreciate that. Thank you. Do you want to know something cool? Yeah. So um, in the adoption website, after a kid finds a family, there's a cool little part of the website where it says found um, where it's called found a family it's showing all these pictures of kids who found a family and I'm in the found the family part of the website that's right because you found a family sounds like you've then you've gone to pride uh, this year yes as a family so are there other LGBTQ uh, community spaces or LGBTQ family spaces there's dragcon Awesome. So what it like what you know, why do you why is going to a space like Pride or DragCon important to you as a family to to be in those community spaces? Because there are other people um around us that are just like us. That's right. Like at Pride I met a little girl named Simmy and she has two moms. Her exactly. family's the complete opposite of ours. Kind That's why of. we're so such good friends. That's right. And now we hang out a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a great moment at Pride this year where, um, you know, Derek, you know, was wearing a fabulous outfit that he had put together himself with a rainbow tutu and a and a T-shirt with rainbows on it that said uh, love unites. And um, and the, and there were two big rainbows and a little rainbow, and the two big rainbows were hugging Aww. the little rainbow. That's right. And he, you know, he he looked up at us and he said, this is a wonderful place where I can just be myself. And, um, and that's exactly right. You know, it's really great to have spaces and events where, um, where a kid who's in an LGBT family can just be himself, um, you know, and not feel, uh, I am also gay. Uh, oh, okay. You wanted to talk about that? Great. Uh, yeah. I'm also gay. Okay. There you go. <laughs> so it's really nice and that I really don't have a problem with it but sometimes kids come up to me and bully me at school and like oh you're crap you don't belong on this world why do you even exist I'm like because I'm meant to exist that's right you are absolutely you have a problem with me go talk to my parents there you go exactly um, but back to your question um, it's really great to have um, safe spaces where we can go as a family and and um, not feel like um, other, but feel like uh, mm-hmm. part of a group and a totally. community. Well, and what, what Derek just shared, uh, you know, the, his experience going to school versus what it's like to be in that safe space is so important for people, especially those who aren't, you know, our, our allies or aren't part of the LGBT community to understand that, yes, we live in a world uh, where at least for now, um, sex marriage is nationwide. And, you know, yes, we live in a country where, um, Quarter and I didn't have to worry about being discriminated against in the uh, foster adoption system, though that's not necessarily the place for people who live in, you know, other less progressive states. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that um, mm-hmm. that we don't have work to do. We have to focus on our kids. We, we have to find a way to capture the attention of, you know, people in the LGBTQ community who may not may not want to become parents, which is fine, um, allies, and, and have them understand that 
We need to focus our resources on protecting our kids. We, we, we pave the way for uh, kids Derek's age and even younger to begin to understand who they are and to declare that proudly. And that means that we are responsible for making sure that when they choose to do that, that they uh, can be and protected. Mm-hmm. And Derek, is there anything that you wish other people knew or understood about foster care and adoption and potentially even if any kids are out there or parents who are starting the process of adoption? Um, is there something that you think people should know about adoption and foster care? Well, lots of things. Like sometimes it could take a very <laughs> long time. <laughs> or, yeah, lots of kids out there just don't understand. Some are in foster care and don't understand. Some aren't and don't understand. And it's kind of, and it, and it's kind of hard for some kids out there. Sometimes I explain to kids at school and they're like, what? And they'd be confused. I'm like, okay, I have, I'm going to explain the whole thing over again. And after like three times, of, like five times of explaining it, they're like, oh, I see now. I was like, finally. <laughs> <laughs> One last question then that I do have is for anybody listening, how can other folks be better friends or allies or advocates for youth and parents throughout the adoption process. You know, there certainly was a lot of change that was happening in all of your lives and things were changing quickly sometimes and then very slowly other times. How can other people best support those who are experiencing or somewhere in an adoption well, we are journey. really really lucky that we had some fabulously supportive friends and family um, our family was on board from the very beginning and they were very understanding of all the ups and downs um, we had some wonderful friends who live in Colorado who um, helped us with a place to stay when we were um, stuck there due to the judicial issues and things like that. So shout out to um, the Sasali family because they were wonderful for us. Um, also, um, our parents uh, jumped in when we needed. My mom stepped in when we needed extra care. Um, I think that so I think that. Um, you know, uh, what a lot of people don't understand is that everyone who comes in contact with a kid who's in the foster system has to be um, background checked and cleared. And so what I would say is um, be open to um, going through that process for your friends or, or relatives who are going through the adoption process, because, you know, if you ever want to babysit or help out in that way, you'll need to have a background check done and all that kind of stuff. So I'd say be open to it's it's a little it seems a little intrusive to go through, you know, having a whole background check and fingerprint done just so you can watch a kid for a couple of hours. But it's really helpful to the parents when they have a group of people they can rely on for a last minute babysitting or or a ride to school or things like that. And I, I think that one of the what we're talking about is really wrapped up in what it means to have a family of choice. Um, and I think people can recognize that um, even though we live in a country that seems to have a very narrow definition of what family means, particularly for LGBT people who, like myself, have, have faced family rejection or, or homelessness because of who we are, you know, we've had to redefine for so long what it means to be a family, who our family is. And um, though I, I, I knew and understood that, uh, I saw it in a completely new and different way through Derek's eyes. 
because you know Derek Derek has had to form so much of his family as a family of choice and the way that he has embraced and, and formed relationships with you know our 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 family our parents our our siblings and also the the love and joy that he has brought to you know his um, aunties and uncles but all of our our close friends who are part of our family of choice that you know we encourage him to to, to use those words and, and see them as that. And, you know, I think that, that if everybody could come to understand um, that family and love and protection is something that they can create for themselves, not something they have to fit into um, a mold that someone else makes for them, that they would come to see and understand the joy and love that that can bring and 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 I think they can at a time when we seem to be facing so many threats from, um, you know, having a, a bully at the highest level of our government, that um, we can create the world where we are safe and treat each other with kindness by coming to understand what it means to love and protect each other as a family of choice. Thank you. And Derek, do you have any other final advice for? other folks and how they can be good friends for someone who is going through the adoption process? Well, try to support them. And Mm -hmm. if any problems happen, if any problems happen with the families who are trying to adopt, um, try to help that family and get them to, yeah, try to help that family and get and make the adoption process go faster. Good advice, buddy. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being part of this really important conversation and thank you for sharing your story. Thanks, Emily, so much. Again, thank you for joining us today. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Outspoken Voices. You can find Outspoken Voices on our website, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can find Family Equality Council at familyequality.org and on Facebook and Instagram at Family Equality, and on Twitter at Family underscore Equality. Until next time, remember that love, justice, family, and equality is what brings our families together.